Well, hello, friends, and welcome to a very unique episode of the CMYK Talk podcast. Obviously, uh, if you're listening to this in the week that we are releasing this, we are not gathering right now because of what's happening with COVID-19 and the restrictions and advice of um, our leadership and health officials uh, communicating that it's not safe or healthy for us to be gathering right now. So uh, we recorded a podcast um that was supposed to be live for our gathering today, um, but I'm so excited that you're here to check this out. We are in the midst of a series entitled Our Favorite Stories, and this is an opportunity to hear from someone in the CMYK community and their favorite story, Mr. Andrew Lindley, someone that uh, is a good friend of mine, and I'm so excited that you get to hear some of his thoughts on his story and uh, where we're going with that. So uh, make sure to listen into the whole thing because... It's kind of beautiful how things landed at the end and how this story just impacts and influences us to potentially live differently in the midst of what's happening with COVID-19 and everything going on. Ultimately, I hope that you are doing well. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're staying healthy. And that uh, as much as this is a disruption of our normal life on so many levels, and as much as there's so many questions out there, about what's coming and what's going to happen. Um, I hope that you are not only staying safe, but using this time where you are quarantining and spending a lot of time at home, potentially a lot of time with family, hopefully um, to get the most out of it, to take a deep breath, to slow down a little bit potentially, and to see and be present with the people in the room around you. I think it could be some really uh, helpful and important work for us to do in the midst of this really, um, anxiety uh, ridden season for a lot of us. So um, I do want to encourage you on a couple things. Uh, First and foremost, we have been putting together um, Dr. Jenny Barkak, our kids director for CMYK, and Chris Glenn, who uh, works in that department as well, have been just working really hard and put together some really, really helpful information if for whatever reason you're a parent or you have kids uh, to try and help you walk through how to best you know, do life with your kids uniquely because they're not going to school right now. And there's some really, really great information and stuff that is posted to our website. It's going to be posted to our social media. Um, But the best way to stay up to date on all of that is to make sure that you're following along through our email newsletter. And you can sign up for that at cmykchurch.com. And that way you know that you're getting all of the latest information uh, that Dr. Jenny and Chris are putting out there. And you can also stay up to date on what our plans are moving forward. What we do know is we aren't gathering today, and then we will definitely not be gathering the next two Sundays as well, because health officials just put it out there that Uh, They're advising that all churches stay closed, uh, don't gather in larger groups uh, for the next two weeks, at least up through April 10th. And so we'll just keep everybody up to date for what the plans are right now. Uh, But up to that point, we're going to continue to release podcasts every Sunday like this. So next week, we're going to have another podcast and then uh, the week after that. So at least two more Sundays after this, we will be having this podcast on that front and encouraging you you to stay connected online in ways that you can stay connected. As always, I just want to communicate if there's anything that we can do for you or anything that's going on that uh, would be important or good for us to know as the CMYK community, uh, reach out on social media, reach out through our website, and we'll do our best to do everything we can to just stay connected and serve one another uh, and get through this together. 
One of the things that I've found impactful and helpful in the midst of this is to take some of the practices from our Sunday gatherings and to try to bring them into our home in a unique place or bring them uniquely into my life in a unique way. And so one of the things that we do regularly on Sundays, if you've ever been to one of our gatherings, is that we pray the Lord's Prayer together. It can be found in the Gospel of Matthew. You can just Google the Lord's Prayer and you will find it. Uh, It's there uh, on the internet machine. Uh, But my encouragement to you would be to spend some time praying this prayer. We believe that these words have meaning and significance in our life, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on, that there's an invitation through these words that Jesus Jesus invites us to pray, uh, to center ourselves, to focus on some other things, uh, and to make sure that we are living the most holistic, healthy, beautiful life we can as we move forward together. And so for me, as we look at this prayer of, Father, you are in heaven and holy is your name, uh, to recognize and understand in the midst of all of this craziness that there is something else here, that there is this divine presence, spirit, God present, and we don't want to miss out on that and spend more time uh, focusing and being centered on our phone than uh, being focused and centered on the beauty and significance of our breath, the beauty and significance of the holiness and sacredness of this father, this divine presence that is here in our midst in this moment. And then to move on and understand this prayer speaking, God, your kingdom come and your will be done. We believe that there is uh, an incredibly beautiful, just, life-giving, life-affirming world uh, and work to be done. And that we want to put our hands to that kingdom of God, if you will, to be present in our lives, in our homes, and in the world around us to, so, to stay centered there. And then the last little piece that I'll highlight uh, for me personally is just this understanding of the prayer moving into and give us today our daily bread. There's this recognition in Christ's prayer for us to see today, to be centered on today in this present moment and to understand that this God, this love uh, that is present is also a sustaining work and to look and to understand that we have what we need for today. And with COVID-19, it's so easily to focus on, well, what about in three days? What about in two weeks? What about in, as some are saying, 18 months? Is this going to be a thing that lasts that long? Obviously, none of us are hoping for that or longing for that to happen. So we're all doing the work to make sure that this quarantine and lockdown goes as short as possible. But to understand that rather than living in anxiety and being focused on the what ifs of the future, to live present in today. And it's been really interesting to see what's happening in our culture (laughs) with people not necessarily getting focused on today, but getting focused on that that what if scenario. And so we have grocery stores that have uh, so much food that's just gone off the shelves, Uh, so much toilet paper (laughs) just gone. You can't find it anywhere right now. And as, as interesting as that is, I think at the core of what we're seeing happen is people are, are getting so centered and focused on fear and the what if scenario. And, and there really is no scenario that anybody in any sort of uh, 
authority or professional opinion is saying there's going to be a shortage of goods or there's going to be a supply chain disruption. And so there's, there's no need to live centered in that fear, uh, but to just be centered on today. So, you know, as simple as in the Blakesley household, we have enough toilet paper for today. We're good. And so we're not living worried and anxious about that, but we're centered on this moment. We have our bread, our food, our needs, our relationships for today and to live centered in today rather than um, getting so anxious about the what ifs of what's to come. So my encouragement to, to you would be maybe at some point today uh, with your friends uh, over the internet, over the phone if you wanted to, or you just by yourself or you with your family in your home to maybe spend some time uh, just praying or reciting this prayer, talking about what it means. I think there's some really helpful and important spiritual work that can come out of that, even in the midst of the season where we're not gathering, that there's something beautiful to be found in that moment. There's a reason we pray it every single Sunday, because we believe that there's this invitation, no matter where you are, to find a more beautiful way forward together. All right, we're going to jump into the podcast. So I, I would encourage you, and this is a little bit longer conversation because it's podcast form. So we could just kind of go for a while, which was really, really fun. And I'm so honored uh, that Andy got up, uh, was willing to be a part of this. Love you. And again, if there's anything that we do for you, please reach out to us. Let us know, cmykchurch.com or at any of our social media threads. We would love to interact with you and do what we can to serve you. Hope to see you guys in a couple weeks. All right, Mr. Lindley, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate sitting down, having this conversation with you. We are in a coronavirus safe space. Just so you know, there's good social distancing happening here in the studio. We obviously didn't want to have this conversation like this. We'd love to have it at a Sunday gathering, but those aren't happening right now. So welcome to the studio. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. I, I this is fun. I like this. Sunday <laughs> gatherings are fun, but this is fun too. This is all this is also fun. Exactly. Yeah. So, um we're in the midst of this series our favorite stories, and I asked you a couple of weeks ago if you would do this and to just be thinking about what your favorite story is. And I'm I got really excited honestly when you uh sent me that text after a few days of thinking about it and said, "Hey, I think I want to talk about Job." And uh, the interesting thing about that is every other story that we've done has been like one or two chapters maybe of a story that we're talking about. And you have picked a whole book of the Bible. <laughs> well, yeah, what I really wanted, I should have just asked, like, can, can I ha- do a series of yeah. talks? No, yeah, yeah it's a It's long the Old one. Testament. That's my favorite story. <laughs> Way to go. Uh, Andy is a preacher's kid, so you can tell that's coming out in a moment <laughs> that he picked the whole book. Fair enough. I love it. Yes. So anyways, Job, I, I love because... Um, there's so many different paths that we could go down this this in this conversation about what this this story in this book is because it's a it's a fascinating, crazy, weird story. Right. Um, so I'll just kind of share the story a little bit. Um, if if you don't know the story of Job, and then Andy, feel free to interject as as you see fit in the okay. midst of it. But Job essentially is, from many scholars and theologians, is considered to be some of the oldest texts that we have in the that's found in the New Testament. We really don't know when or where this story comes from. There's a lot of people that say that it is the absolute oldest that we have, and there's others that would put it at different time periods uh, after 
after other writings within the Old Testament in the Bible. But ultimately, it's about this guy named, you guessed it, Job. It's spelled Job, J-O-B, but it's Job. And it says uh, that he was from the land of Uz. And Uz is a place... You sure it's not Ooze? It, it could be Ooze, but I grew up on the Ninja Turtles, and Ooze was always spelled differently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, but it could be Ooze. I don't know. Um, we don't know, because we don't know where this land was or is. Um, again, there's speculation. Certain people would point at different areas in biblical areas, say it's towards the east, that kind of stuff. But we don't know that we know that we know. Even a lot of the characters in this story, they say that they're from a certain family or a certain tribe. And we don't have historical records of who these people or tribes are. There's speculation that we can point at and say, it makes sense that they would be from this area or from this tribe. But again, we don't know that we know that we know. It's a book that's got this interesting mystery attached to it. And one of the most mysterious things about it for me is it opens telling that Job is a man from the land of us. And uh, he was a righteous man. He had everything going for him. He was rich. He had all this cattle and camels and all the things you could ever want. He had beautiful kids and he had a smoking hot wife. Like just all the, all the boxes were checked for winning. Um, and then there's this interesting moment that it says that God is in He's basically having court, if you will. I don't even know what the picture it's trying to paint. But all uh, everybody comes to present themselves. These divine creatures or angels come to present themselves before God. And God sees what our English texts say is Satan. And Satan in this story, and actually in the Old Testament, is not the Satan or the devil that many of us have grown up thinking about in, in Western cultures. Uh, because that didn't really exist in the Old Testament. Actually, the direct translation of what this word Satan is, is the adversary. And the adversary is someone that is a part of God's courts. Like he's on team God, essentially. Like he's invited to be a part of this. It's not like he snuck in and God looked at him like, how did you get here? But it was just, of course he's here because this is a part of the story. And God asked the adversary, what have you been doing? What have you been up to? And the adversary says, I have been going to and fro across the earth, which is just really, really interesting. Yeah, I didn't say what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. He was going to and fro. Yeah. <laughs> which I would never get away with if somebody asked me what I've been doing. <laughs> but apparently that's what he was doing. Right. And uh, it's really fascinating because there's something that God sees this as some sort of challenge or some sort of bet. I, I, like, like the adversary is out there just evaluating God and his creation or people, apparently, because God says, if you consider my servant Job, um, in other words, saying, hey, don't don't miss out on this guy. He's awesome. Did you see him? Did you check him out? And the adversary says, well, of course he's cool. Of course he loves you. Of course he's, you know, this great guy, because look at all the stuff that he has. And And the adversary says, if you took away all of his stuff, he would curse you and want nothing to do with you. And he wouldn't be this faithful servant anymore. And, and God takes the bet. <laughs> and God takes the bet. <laughs> Which again, it's crazy. Like It's what, crazy. What kind of story is this? Yeah. But God takes the bet and says, okay, you, you are yeah. welcome to do that. Just don't harm his body and just don't kill him. 
right. and happens. And literally, probably the worst day ever recorded in the scriptures is found because Job is just hanging out and one of his servants runs to him and says, essentially, hey, I'm the only one that survived, but all your cattle's gone because some people came and took all of them and killed out all your other workers and servants. And it says, while he was still speaking and sharing this news, someone else shows up and says, hey, all your sheep are gone. They just all died. There's a fire. And then while he's still speaking, someone else shows up and says, all your camels, yep, they're gone. Uh, we've been attacked. Everybody's dead that was there. I'm the only one that survived. And then while he's still speaking, someone else shows up and says, all your kids were in your eldest son's house and the house collapsed and they're all dead. And I'm the only one that survived. So in an instant, literally in one conversation, Job loses everything. And he's obviously devastated, but he doesn't curse God. And so the story goes on that God is once again holding court and there's all these uh, angels, divine creatures that are there before God and the adversaries there again. And God asks him what's, what's new, what's happening, same kind of response. And, and God says, have you considered my servant Job and look how faithful he has been? And the adversary says, yeah, but he's still got his health. He still has his body. And so God, again, takes the bet, as you said. Yeah. And... Uh, you and God says to the adversary, you can strike him with illness and sickness, but you just can't kill him. And so he ends up, Job has sores from his toes to his head that are extremely painful that we find Job seated by a fire with a broken pottery, scraping the scars on his body, uh, just to find some sort of relief. His wife is pleading with him, just curse God and die. And it says that he, um, will not only accept good things from God, he will accept hardships and pain from God as well. And it says that he worships God in that moment. Crazy story. That's yeah. the setup. That's just like the first couple chapters of this book that yeah. you want to talk about. Yeah. I. So interestingly, um, this story and the way it kicks off with just a bang, I, I love... Um, books and cinema and all of that. And I really do enjoy um, movies, for example, that start like that. Movies that start with just a uh, bang. You don't have to wait for a mm -hmm. half an hour setup. So mm -hmm. so I like that um, about it. But yeah, it's, uh, I mean, and, and by the time you, you get to the point you're talking about, you're maybe not even a quarter of the way in. Yeah. Uh, oh, not, not even. Yeah. Not even 10% of the way in. Yeah. So, yeah, it starts off fast. No, away we go. Yeah. And so then um, the bulk of the book is uh, this interaction that Job is sitting by this fire in pain and three friends hear what has happened and they come to console Job and it says they don't even recognize him when they see him because of how distraught he is, how in pain he is, how, you know, you know broken his body is because of what's taken place. And they go and they sit by him at by the fire, and nobody speaks for seven days, um, which is I, I think is pretty powerful, pretty significant. That here's a man in pain and suffering, and for seven days you just have friends there not saying anything. But then that kicks off the rest of the book because um, the next thirty chapters or so are this dialogue that happens between Job and his friends. So, what was it about the story that? resonated with you, um, or resonates with you now? Well, as a, um, go back to kind of as my first memories of the book, which were probably about 
my son Adrian's age, just old enough to kind of understand at, at least what you just talked about in the, the opening chapters. And you know what I, what I got from it then, I didn't really like the story then, because yep. to me, it was a story that was, um, it um, confused me more than it helped me. Mm-hmm. It, it was like, well, you're supposed to just take what's given to you. You have no control over it. Terrible things could happen, um, and and you're just supposed to, uh, you know, take it. Mm-hmm. And 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 that whole thing. I mean, we're joking about it, like God taking the bet. Yeah. But but I remember just being like, well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, this is crazy. Yeah. So um, anyway, but what I what I did as I got a little bit older, what I liked about it was I did come to I did come to appreciate that. Um, I think now I can say um, uh, with my many years, because I feel old, <laughs> um, you know, the wisdom that comes with years and when you do get to experience things that don't make sense. Yep. Um, and, and you, uh, uh, at least for me, try, I've tried to deal with them by getting angry and, and all the different things that, that kind of happen and, you know, learn that, okay, there's some wisdom in the idea that you just, what happens to you, um, maybe isn't what you should dwell on. Hmm. Um, and and that it's it's more important just to focus on on the on um you know forget about that no, yeah. you know nothing's necessarily happening to you so i thought there was the older that i got there was there was wisdom um in that but my i think it's um it became my favorite when i was about 12 or 13 give or take i was um listening to my dad preach um it isn't like he preaches about Job all the time. I don't think anybody <laughs> does, but I remember I've uh, obviously I'd listened to a lot of his sermons, so I had heard him come up and heard the story numerous times. And there was one time when he um, was was reading the passages that he had selected for his for his sermon that day, and there was one of them that just I don't and I don't even remember exactly what it was, but it stuck out to me. And I grabbed the Bible from the um, the pew there in front of me, and I and I flipped to it. Um, and so I'll admit now here. In the podcast, I didn't listen to the rest of the sermon. <laughs> I just sat there and I read. Yeah. And and in it isn't the easiest book to read, but I read through the whole thing. And reading through it as a whole book, it was the first time for me that a book in the Bible seemed like um, a complete story hmm. that I could understand. Hmm. Um, where the the rest of it was kind of like there's little passages here, and there was all the historical things you see in a lot of scriptures. And um, to me, it was just like wow, like that that's a package. It's a mm-hmm. thing. Um, and, and seeing it in its entirety, I- including the finale, yeah. um, with, uh, Job getting his grand reward yeah. and the conversation between God and Job, which is fascinating yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, the older that I've gotten and the more times I've read it, yeah. um, every time I read it, it fascinates me more. Yeah. I remember, I mean, I think I had a, a pretty similar experience with this story. You grow up and you kind of, I would say belittle it down to this narrative, like you were saying, of good things are going to come, bad things are going to come. I want to be like Job that never betrays my worship of God or never betrays my belief that no matter what, I will always love, worship, celebrate God. Because then the end is he gets double everything that he had before because God is rewarding his faithfulness for this. So that's the story I wanted for my life. You know, if if something were happening bad to me when I was younger, my approach because of stories like Job was, 
I'm going to just show up at church on Sunday and I'm going to raise my hands all the time, you know, every song, and I'm going to sing loud and I'm going to pray and I'm going to do all of these things because even in the midst of this pain and, you know, struggle, I'm going to worship so that I'm going to get on the other end of this and have double because there was an end game here that I was, you know, as a kid, you just read into those things like that's the formula. Right. But for me, really similar to your story, I, it it was a little longer. I was 25 for when I sat down for the first time and in one setting really read this book. And, and it was, it was a, a truly impactful moment for me, like closing the book similar to you and just like, whoa, there's something at least for me, something completely different happening with this story that it is not some formula for how to double your riches um, and have more kids or whatever. Like, There's actually something far deeper and I think truer that this book and this story is about, which is why I'm so excited that you want to talk about it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, so what is it for you that was that deeper meaning that started to resonate when you started looking at the book as a whole? Yeah. Um, well, maybe, so a couple things, first of all, the, the things that I, even today, as I, um, today, meaning in this kind of, kind of moment in general, as I reread it, preparing to, to yep. come here and talk about it, the dialogue, um, in the book is so different mm-hmm. than the dialogue in any other book that I, that I can think of or any other passage within old Testament, new Testament. And I love that mm-hmm. to, um, to, to me that, that however many, um, chapters it is that goes through the conversations with his friends, um, reminds me of a big giant, um, Martin Scorsese scene in a movie <laughs> that goes on and yeah, on and on yeah. and the dialogue just keeps going and yeah. going. And you're like, this scene is like 20 minutes long. <laughs> What is going on here? So I, I always Nothing's felt like, happened. yeah, if there was a director for this <laughs> yeah. that you could match to the book, that's who yeah. I envision um, with this. So, but I, you know, I to answer your question about what is it, you know, th- thematically or, or kind of moral wise that I take away from it, it's um, <clears throat> the idea of Job just um, accepting his fate, so to mm-hmm. speak, which was what I took away from the story as I was younger. You know what I what I take away from it now is that um, you know he, he he did that's true, um, but when when it goes through the conversations with his friends and you know he's I can't even imagine um, you know with the, the the sores and scraping and all of those things, um, just kind of what state he's in and all the devastation that he's faced, and he it's not like he's not honest about mm-hmm. how he feels. He's very honest about how it doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. um, you know, that he would rather just die. He would have never been born. I mean, he uses mm-hmm. that language over and over again mm-hmm. within it. And I think there's just such honesty in that. So, you know, and, and all of that comes and is repeated over and over in those chapters. And I, I think that um, to me that that says, you know, you don't have to just... Um, when when bad things happen, it's it's not an expectation that it's easy. You, you know, you don't have to take it um, smiling mm-hmm. because it's hard. Mm-hmm. And and I think that to me, I thought was really um, is relieving to me because I mean, to tell to just tell the truth about it, and I think everybody would feel this way. When bad things happen, um, yeah, I don't take it easily. Yeah. Typically, yeah, yeah, I'm frustrated and I'm angry and and um, and so I think it's it's that idea that that's okay, 
and that can be a part of this thing. Yeah. As long as it doesn't, you, um, I think where he never went and that, and, and no matter how frustrated he was, is that, um, and I don't know how any other way to say this really, but his heart never hardened. Right. So he just, um, as frustrated as he was, he still had that faith. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think that the faith that he had is a faith that I don't, um, it's really impactful for me in that, in this story, yeah. um, more than any other. It's a, so for me, I mean, you're hitting on something that's big for me with this story, because when you look at the dialogue, you're right. It's unlike any other <laughs> dialogue within the scripture. It's very poetic. It's part of this wisdom literature within the scriptures. So it's just got a completely different writing style than, than most other scriptures. But you have these interactions where Job is being vulnerable and honest about how in pain and frustrated and angry he is. He's not cursing God, but at the same time, he's being completely honest and vulnerable with his friends. And then the the most powerful thing for me was watching the way his friends interacted with that. Because Job starts out with this kind of woe is me. Look at how awful this is. I hate this. I, I don't, I wish I was never born, like you were saying. And his friends begin by responding essentially by saying, okay, this happened for a reason. What did you do? Right. What, what aren't you telling us? You know, I, I know there's a porn stash there somewhere. And if we just dig, we're going to find <laughs> it because you've been hiding something from us. And we're going to know, you know, who's the woman you've been sleeping with? Like, what is the thing? Because right. God doesn't just do this to good, nice boys. So something happened. And the vulnerability and honesty of Job to continue to come back and say, no, no, I, I know, there's nothing there. This just happened. But his friends, this, I mean, chapters of persistence of like, no, the world works in this way, that bad things happen to bad people and bad things don't happen to good people. And Job, his, his willingness to continue to be vulnerable and honest, because it would have been easiest, easiest for Job to search his heart and be like, well, I had, I did have a bad thought and I, I did eat two cookies at the party when I was only supposed to eat. Like we, we have that tendency as well. When bad things are happening, we, we start to go down this path of trying to create some formula and justify why bad things are happening compared to just being honest and vulnerable. Like you're saying of like, no, this is painful and it sucks and it's awful and it's bad. And I don't know that I'm going to find a reason for why this is happening. Yeah. Like that's a powerful thing, I think. Yeah. Um, Because I think this story is really challenging that that view of God or that view of the world and faith that it's some sort of equation of bad things happen to bad people. So if bad things are happening, what did you do? And good things happen to good people. So if you're good, way to go. You did something like, no, there's a little randomness in all of this. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. I, I, that really resonates with me too. Uh, Because I, um, yeah, that idea that well, you know, you you must have done something. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's uh, I mean beyond um, you know faith based conversations. I think that's something that just exists in the world in general. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you did something mm-hmm. to um, to deserve your lot in life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this kind of flies in the face of that, and and I like it. Um, it also the other thing that I think it challenges, and which I appreciate. Is this idea? At least I think this challenges it. This idea that 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 God has His master plan, mm-hmm. 
Um, and it may be to be more specific that he has like every single thing planned out for every single person. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, this story just completely blows that out of the water. Um, he trusts Job. He, he, he trusts that Job's faith is strong. Um, and trusts it so much that he's he's willing to let all these things happen. I mean, he had no idea what was going to happen. Yep. Yep. Um, he was making a bet. Yeah, <laughs> well, for whatever reason. And yeah, that still bothers me a little it, bit. It I'm not should bother you like, a little it, bit. Yeah, yeah, it bothers me. And I was hoping, you know, as much as I love sequels to movies, because yeah. I really do, Yeah, I, I was like, man, could you imagine if they ever had Job 2? Yeah. It'd be terrible. <laughs> so he gets all of this stuff, and then they come back, and then there's another council... And this is just going to be terrible. Um, so I'm glad they never did Job 2. That would have been awful. They would have in today's oh current gosh. cinema culture. Yeah. They, I'm sure. Yeah, we would have had a bunch. Job 2. More sores. <laughs> I don't know. What, they, what What would you even do? Anyways. I don't know. But so I, I think the, to me, that, that resonates because I think it's, um, it isn't about every single little thing being planned out mm-hmm. that there is, there is some, I don't know if you want to say chance, mm-hmm. um, necessarily, but, um, out of your control. Yeah. Um, it, because there's just so many factors. So I, I appreciate that piece. I, I do through all the dialogue with this friends. Um, and it happened to me again when I reread it this time, I get increasingly angry at his friends mm-hmm. as each chapter goes by. It starts off and I'm like, oh yeah, this is annoying. I remember how this goes. And then after a while when they keep saying, well, but what did you do? And what did you do? Oh, I just get, by the end of it, I'm just super infuriated. And and I don't think I would have had, um, I don't think I would have had the strength of Job yeah. <laughs> to just put up with it. So for me, I, if I were to try to boil down Job, for me personally, into kind of three major categories or or like big messages for me. And there's a lot of them, but just kind of what's resonating with me now in preparing for this conversation. One is what we just talked about, this propensity to always find, um, to not, to not be vulnerable and honest about how you're really feeling and what's really going on in Job's willingness to do that rather than play some mathematical religious game and equation like his friends were trying to do. So, but secondly, the frustration, uh, that you have with the friends and how they're talking. One of the things that's fascinating when you look at the story of Job is nobody's really listening to anybody. So Job says a bunch of stuff and then his friend responds, but his response is not a response to anything that Job just said. He asks some questions, like very pointed, like, what about this? What about this? What about this? But his friend just goes on a monologue, disconnected from everything Job just said. You mean it's said. like every other conversation that everybody has with exactly. each other? Exactly. Yeah. And then Job responds, but his response is not a response <laughs> to his friend. It's just another monologue. And then a new friend jumps in, and it again, it's not connected. To, nobody's recalling or pointing at anything that anybody has said before. They're just all taking their turns to speak, right. which is fascinating to me as far as that frustration that you experience because I experience the same frustration. But I think that's all of our tendencies in times of uh, uh, frustration, anger, pain, suffering, and hurt. Like we lose our ability to truly listen and hear what the other person is saying because we feel like we've just got a monologue. We've just got to, we feel like that's the role that we have to play mm-hmm. is this to show up in the world and Give everybody, here's what, you know, and I'm going to do this and everybody's going to listen and they're going to fix it and it's going to be better and it's going to be different. Like right. even politically, like our inability to listen to the other side, whatever that side is, rather than, uh, and just monologue to them compared to, no, 
there's this work that we have to do in the midst of conflict, strife, pain, suffering, whatever it is, questions to just truly listen. And that's a big, big resonance for me mm-hmm. with, with this text. Um, so I, I resonate with that. Yeah. The third thing, which I think is what you were kind of pointing at and you mentioned in, in our text back and forth before this conversation was you kind of go into the story, for me at least, when you read it cover to cover in a sitting, you go into the story not just wondering what's going to happen to Job, but what answers are going to be found and given to Job and given to his friends, because it is a frustrating conversation. Everybody's looking for answers for why. Why did this happen? Because how do we? Because then we can answer how do we get it? Make sure it never happens to me. Right. But there are no answers. God shows up at the end. The last couple of chapters are God dialoguing with Job, and like some really powerful language that God is bringing. Like, did you hang the stars in the sky? Did you like? Yeah. Check this out. Check this out. Check this out. Are you that guy? No, you're not that guy. I'm that guy. Essentially, just God flexing his God muscle. The like. For multiple chapters, and yet there's no answers. <laughs> God doesn't be like, and here's why this happened. He doesn't answer anybody's question. He just says, I'm God, you're not done. Yeah. What um also, real quick, we didn't say the friends' names. No, you no. want to try to say them? Well, yeah, I wanted you to try to say them. Or tell me how to say oh, them. You're putting you're putting you're putting me on the spot. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I got Job. Okay, so we have Job from us. Now you go. <laughs> you got the rest of them. Uh, so I would say Eliphaz, uh, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, yeah, and Zophar, the Naamite. Yeah. What about the random dude Name that shows up? Oh, the random dude that shows up later. I forgot yeah. about random dude. Oh, random dude is so important. He's a is a huge. That's true. His he name shows starts up late with an to e. the. He shows up late to the party, believing he's got it all figured out, and everybody else is dumb. Uh, yeah. I forgot what chapter he shows up in. E L I H U, Elihu. Elihu. Yeah. Okay. That's what I would say. Yeah. So or Elihu. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Elihu. Like yeah. yeah, you got it. That um, was. So him showing up is interesting to me yep. because the three friends that are there the long time there, you can, um, I mean, it's, it's presented as they're older, they're wiser. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously they, they know, uh, it all. Mm-hmm. You can tell from the conversation he shows up. And if, if I'm remembering it right, it's very specific that he's not old. Yep. He's younger. Yep. And the language that he uses is much different. Yep. And it seems to, it's like, that's the, the transition from the never ending, annoying, frustrating conversation with the three older yeah. to, to the conversation between Job and, and God. Mm-hmm. And, and I take a lot away from that. Like okay. what I take away from that is um, throughout the Bible, there's uh, um, not that there aren't signs of the importance of youth because there are many mm-hmm. of those, but much, many more um, the, the power and, and uh, of of wisdom, um, people who have been there a long time, the the elders, and so in this story where the the young person shows up and they actually are speaking the eloquence mm-hmm. that then that then leads to the conversation with God, I think is an interesting thing for me. Yeah, because um, uh, I guess I take away from that 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 um, you know sometimes it takes that new idea hmm. that some random person just shows up yeah. and starts talking. That to kind of get you out of 
the loop. Yep. Because there's there's a, a long loop yep. in this book. So that's an interesting part yep. for me. Um, and then I actually, I mean, for a long time, I felt like, <coughs> for a long time, I felt like, um, as you said, there's no answer yep. for Job. And I don't think that anymore. Really? No. I love it. <clears throat> I think I think the, um, I mean, first of all, God is flexing. Yeah. I mean, he's flexing in his conversation as much as you see, you know, in other places where the, yeah, did you make the stars? Did you do this? Did, yeah. It's like, whoa. I, I mean, I think as um, simplistic as it might sound, I, to me, the answer is, um, and this sounds, this might sound a little weird, but it's kind of that <clears throat> when you're sitting around and trying to figure out why, mm-hmm. um, when you really stop to think about um, all of the power and wonder that the, there is in the world, like who in the world do you think you are that you'll, you would ever figure it out? Yeah. I, I think the answer is that any energy spent attempting to figure it out is mm-hmm. wasted, mm-hmm. Um, is, is what I take away from it. Mm. Um, yep. it's, a, it's a long way to get there. And I, I also think that the conversation back and forth between God and Job, Job um, definitely has some guts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, for sure. Because he's know, still being honest <clears throat> and vulnerable. Yeah. You know, you could have this, I, I mean, I'm trying to envision this moment. You, you know, you're talking about somebody, but they're not there. Yep. And then they walk into the room. You're like, yeah, oh, yeah, hey, yeah. Bob, how's, yeah. how's it going? Um, We're just talking about how awesome you are and <laughs> yeah. how cool your shirt is. And he's talking about how, he's, how frustrated he is. And then he's talking to God and he just doesn't back down. Yeah. He doubles down yeah. on this. Um, like, I, I don't get this and I wish I was never born. Yeah. And why, you know, why did you do this? And specifically asking why. And yeah, he doesn't really get the answer he's looking for. He doesn't get a clean answer. Um, but I think it's an answer. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. So for you... Um, obviously we're, we're trying to have a somewhat condensed conversation about an entire book. Sure. But when, when we, when you walk away from this story, um, I think the significance of this series of our favorite stories is not just to have this interaction because there's a lot we can talk about, obviously, Yeah. but to ask ourselves the questions, how does this story actually impact my day to day life? Mm -hmm. When if you wake up tomorrow morning, if Job and this story were to come to your mind, what what is it for you that this story continues to resonate? Um, yeah. Because it uh, could be the oldest story that we have of the scriptures, yet it still resonates with you. What is it about it that, that's impacting the way you're choosing to see yourself, the world, the divine? Yeah. Well, when when you asked me to think about my favorite story, and I did spend some time thinking about it because there's so many great stories for sure. <clears throat> um, it Job didn't immediately pop into my mind, yeah. and and once I did think about it and went back and read it, um, and even as we're talking about it tonight, you know, you know, it reminds me why it matters so much to me. Um, for me, I think stories in general from from the Bible. Um, and beyond, frankly, but especially from the Bible, they're, they're, I think they're useful in the right moments, right? They're, they're, mm-hmm. They matter in the moments that fit those stories. And for me, the times when the story of Job fits the most are when, um, you know, when things aren't going as planned, which mm-hmm. I mean, I think good grief for being a human being on this earth, um, 
and especially like in the midst of the environment we're in as we're recording this yeah. with um, the world in the state that it's in, that the, um, I, I struggle a lot with anxiety. And for me, anxiety is, um, it's triggered by not knowing what's next. Mm-hmm. And when I get into that loop, um, and for me, the loop is, well, I don't know what's next, um, but maybe if I think about it a little bit and I dream up what could be next, maybe that'll help. Well, just FYI, it doesn't help because all the things that I dream up can be, it's the worst case scenario yeah. followed by the worst case scenario. And in those moments, the story of Job is one that reminds me that um, stop doing that because it doesn't matter um, what it is. Um, in large part, there's nothing I can do about it. Um, and you know, really just back to the beginning of the story of Job, just the acceptance of whatever hap is going to happen is going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not to say that, that I think Job points to the idea that just like sit in a corner and wait to die. Mm-hmm. I don't think that at all. But when um, things seem bad, when something bad does happen, because they do all the time, um, it reminds me to just, um, you know, be calm. Yeah. I, I think it's I think it's the calmness that it brings for me that hmm. helps the most. Hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, uh, just as somebody that has um, had history with this book and had history with um, your belief system, and kind of watch that continue to progress and 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 evolve into something that, you know, I would say is a little more authentic and honest in some ways. What does it look like for you to look at this character of Job and come, come from a story. So like for me of Job didn't curse God, but actually worshiped and that worship was meant to be like, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to sing songs. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. And that means I'm being faithful to this divine God. I'm to use your words, staying calm, you know, Mm -hmm. um, how has that progressed and kind of evolved and what does it look like for you then to, um, worship or to, to remain centered, I guess would be another way to, to say it potentially in the midst of this thing that we're in right now with, with COVID-19 and all that. Um, also the calmness is one of the things that's the most helpful to me about it. But the, the thing that I, um, that about the story of Job that I, that I was reminded about as I reread it in the last few days that I, I really connected with this time more than the last time that I read it. And I can't remember when the last time that that was front to back is the, the, the honesty, the raw honesty that Job shows throughout the entire thing. And that it really proves that, um, just because he questioned just because he challenged directly to God, it didn't change anything. Yeah. So that to me just reminds me that the, the idea of questioning um, what other people's kind of uh, what they've created, kind mm-hmm. of the box they've created yeah. around God, around religion, around um, you know their their view of it, um, to challenge that. I mean, it's obviously not a big deal. Mm. Uh, you should be doing it. It's okay to do it. Yeah. Um, and so that really, I don't know, stuck out to me a lot That's, this time. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea that God didn't strike Job with a lightning bolt because he started to question and wonder and doubt. Um, but God actually saw that as being faithful, his willingness to be honest with whatever was really going on in and around him. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's huge because again, to go back to where I was, a lot of that wasn't, my response to something bad wasn't me being honest with what was really going on. It was trying to force some kind of narrative down my throat that this is what it means to worship and, you know, to kind of bring some words together to what you're saying, like, a life of worship is found in your ability to be honest. And as we say with CMYK, be present, be honest, be open to things outside of yourself. Right. That this is what it means to, to follow this God. And that means challenging and poking the box and wrestling through. Yeah. That's huge. That stuck out to me really a a lot this time. And it's also, you know, when I read, um, uh, negative news stories in general, mm-hmm. the stories that make you think, um, if there is a God, how can this happen? Yeah. And I think that at, uh, For many sure. times reading stories, the story of Job is one that I think of because I, I it's, uh, you know, it, if there is a God, why does this happen? W- well, it does. I mean, that, <laughs> it, you know, it's and it, yeah. and it's not because um, it's not necessarily because that person didn't check the boxes, didn't do the right things. It's just because. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's not a very, it, it, to some degree, not a very helpful answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's an honest answer. Yeah, it's an honest answer, and it's the only one that. Um, yeah, I don't know what the other. I mean, an alternative answer is there is no God, there is no positive, there is no truth. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, um, that doesn't, um, that doesn't make any sense to me at least. Yep. Or, um, there is a God and he's choosing this mm-hmm. for someone. And that doesn't make sense to mm-hmm. me. And so the idea in the story of Job that, yeah, that's not what's happening. You know, God, God didn't say, uh, go ahead and do this and do this and do this. It was, um, um, yeah. Um, he wasn't specifically saying what was going to happen yep. and, um, and was still there at the end and still, um, you know, the idea of rewarding Job. I mean, that's kind of interesting. I don't necessarily know if, if, uh, you know, just sit there and take it and then you're going to get rewarded. I get it. You know, that's not, um, literal, but, uh, but the fact that even after Job challenges and all of that, he's still at the end, um, it does not prevent him from, um, from from good things happening. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's so good. Um, well, as we could probably talk for a long, 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 long time. Um, because you picked a whole book again. I did pick a whole book. <laughs> yeah. Well, we condensed it well, I think. I, we did our best. For those that haven't read it front to back, I would recommend it. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you're, you're going to feel like you're reading the same thing over and over again for mm-hmm. a while. Um, but but wait till the end. Mm-hmm. You know, wait till the end. Don't stop till the end. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I and I highly recommend it. A one sitting kind of interaction because it it does. Like, it's like a good film. It's best yeah. experienced all in one sitting rather than splicing it up a couple minutes here. And at the end of the day, it might take you an hour, hour and a half to get through it. You can do it. Yeah. So. Everybody's got some time to sit and read any, yeah. anyway. <laughs> Mr. Lindley, thank you so much for all that you do and all that you are and bringing your voice to this. Thanks, Matt. Stay safe and wash your hands. All right, I will. (laughs)